Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hello and welcome to Salt Lake Speaks, Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast. You can find this and other episodes at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Prohibition. Sending you back to the roaring 20s, Prohibition has everything you could want from music to handcrafted cocktails and a full menu. Get ready to embrace your inner Gatsby. For more information, visit prohibitionutah.com. I'm Ashley Zanter, Associate Editor of Salt Lake Magazine, and today I have Sarah Singh, Curator of Special Collections at Weber State University Library with us today. Thank you for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me, Ashley. So, most people think of Utah as a very, quote, moral place because of the really heavy LDS presence that we have here. But the reality is that we have a pretty wild history, is that right? That is totally correct. Um, when you think about Utah's history, you have to go clear back um, of course, you had the Mormons coming in in 1846, but all of a sudden, by 1860s, you had the railroads. And railroads are what really changed uh, Utah, Salt Lake, and Ogden. Um, because all of a sudden, you had people from different ethnicities and immigrants coming in. And so you had these new populations coming in that didn't adhere to the standard um, religion that was going on at the time. So all of a sudden you had Catholics, you had Episcopalians, you had Chinese, you had Japanese that were all coming in on the railroads. And coming with the railroads, of course, were the things that followed the railroads, such as, you know, your alcohol, your gambling, and your prostitution. Okay. So, so the dubious activities that we tend to associate with the wild, wild west. Yes. So how did prostitution really get a foothold in this part? And so really it became, it was because of that railroad. So when, you know, you had the Golden Spike and that was up in Corinne and Corinne was a wild town at that point. It was nothing but bars and prostitution. And then when they decided to move the headquarters to Ogden, those people just followed, you know, down to Ogden and then onto Salt Lake. And so prostitution, it was you know, it just sort of followed with them. And um, in Salt Lake, it really centered around Commercial Street. Um, that was sort of the places you went to. And then in Ogden, of course, it was 25th Street. And then it was in about 1908 that Salt Lake decided, well, we can't really shut all the prostitution halls down, so let's try and regulate it. Okay. And so that's when they decided to build the stockyards. So it was like 5th and 5th East and 3rd West, I think is about where they had those. Um, And so they decided we're going to create these commercial, these city blocks where all the immigrants lived. And that's where we're going to put the prostitutes. And so if you wanted to partake, you went down to downtown. So did they only regulate it by centralizing it, or were there other rules associated um, with that? There were other rules. So, um, of course, all the girls had to be have weekly health checks. Um, there were police stationed at each entrance and exit. Um, you weren't allowed to have alcohol inside. Um, and then they brought Bell London down from Ogden to run it. 
Who's Belle London? So Belle London is sort of the famous madam of Ogden's 25th Street. She owned more property on 25th Street in 1908 than anyone else. So she was including men. Including men. Wow. She was a huge entrepreneur. Um, She actually paid for the stockyards herself. She put in what would be the equivalent now of half a million dollars that she put up herself to build the stockyards here because she thought this was a way for her to easily make that money back and then Mm -hmm. some. Um, And so, yeah, she was, and for her, she saw herself as a crusader of women's rights. Um, She said, I can make more money being a madam than I could anything in any of the other occupations that were available to women at that time, Mm -hmm. which was mostly a seamstress, a laundress, anything like that, teacher, something like that. And so she was like, no, I'm going to do this and, and ended up making, becoming an extremely wealthy woman off of it. A ton of money. Yes. Tons of money. So if Salt Lake brought down Bell London from Ogden, was there a big difference between the prostitution circles in Ogden and in Salt Lake City? Because Ogden kind of has a really colorful reputation to this day associated with it. Famously, Al Capone allegedly said it was too tough a town for him or something like that. And so... So what... They, it was called the Western Circuit. And so the girls would come and they would hit Salt Lake, Ogden, then they'd go up to Idaho, and then they'd just keep circling around. <laughs> um, because basically what happened was if they were afraid during their well, you know, their monthly or weekly checks, if they were afraid they were going to come down with a sexually transmitted disease, they would leave town. Because if they were tagged as that, then they would have to, you know, exit the prostitution ring. Okay. And so they would leave town and move on to another spot, and and so that's kind of that circular route. Because it what it wasn't regulated. It wasn't. Or? No. So what? How did they? She think she'd get away with it if she. So they figured, well, we'll just go and we'll go work in Salt Lake for a little bit, and then oh, okay, now we'll go work in Ogden for a little bit. Oh, well, now we'll go up to Idaho and hit all around Idaho, and then hopefully coming back down to Salt Lake. They would have forgotten about me by then. Oh. A lot of them change names. They're really hard to, to kind of research and track down because none of them use their real names. Even Belle London is not her real name. Well, what are the odds? Yeah. That's such a perfect name. Perfect name, though. Isn't that isn't <laughs> a great name? Yeah. Instead of, instead of Dora Topham, which is her actual name. Oh, yeah, that's less. That's yeah. less mad at me. Yes. yes. <laughs> so what are the Rose Rooms? Everybody talks about the Rose Rooms. Uh, so the Rose Rooms were later. So they came, Rose Davy and her husband, William, started the Rose Rooms on 25th Street in the 1940s. And so they are at, they were at 205 25th Street. And so it was, you walk up the stairs, um, she had a bulletproof door with glass that you had to knock and then... The gentleman would look, see who you are, and then buzz you in. And then you could go and um, see the girls. And she, Rose was a character. She was beautiful, beautiful Italian woman. Um, loved the color pink. Everything she owned was pink, including her Cadillac. She had a pink Cadillac, and she had a pet ocelot, which she would take around town with her. And it's so funny to talk to people, because it's so recent, to talk to people who knew Rose or were around at that time, and they said, you would just know when she would walk in a room. 
you didn't have to turn around. You would just feel her presence when she walked into a room. Um, and so she owned the Rose Rooms. Her and her husband ran that brothel from the 40s um, into the 50s before they were caught for, as usual, tra- tax evasion. Mm-hmm. They could never get them for prostitution and get it to stick for very long. Um, so they got her for tax evasion. And so does she have, like, what's her legacy now? Um, so her, le- I mean, her legacy is, is who she was. Mm-hmm. And the fact that now you go to the Rose, where the Rose Rooms were, and it's a bar. And it is it's a, alleged. It's alleged. Mm-hmm. And it is themed after the Rose Rooms. You know, your, your tabletops are the original brothel room doors. The bathroom stalls are named after prostitutes that worked for her. Your drinks, you can get a Rose Davy, <laughs> which is my favorite. But, you know, and so it is that, you know, still here we are 70 years later. Mm-hmm. And when people mention the name Rose Davy, a lot of people envision this, you know, Raven hair, beauty. She always wore bright red lipstick, you know, taking her ocelot around town. <laughs> That's how I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the conversation around prostitution contemporarily has a lot of baggage with it, but we sort of seem to be really fascinated and enamored by this 19th, 20th century prostitution, almost like a lifestyle, because now you've got, you've got, you know, restaurants and bars that are sort of adopting this Wild West heritage that we had, and they're using it to market, and people are flocking to these places. Oh, yeah. I think, from people I talk to, I love that they're embracing the history. Instead of trying to whitewash it, Mm -hmm. and pretend like this stuff didn't happen, they're embracing it, Mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, it's what makes us unique. It's something that when you come to Utah, you don't think that you're going to walk into a bar that's themed after prostitution <laughs> or a speakeasy or you know prohibition or anything like that. Um, especially with prohibition, because Utah actually went dry three years early before the rest of the nation did, mm-hmm. but it wasn't ever really dry. You know, I love you talk to people and they said, oh yeah, 25th Street, all you had to do was make sure that you knew the code word. And so they would pour the whiskey from the hot tap instead of the <laughs> soda water from the cold tap. You know, and, and so it was never really dry. You could still always get alcohol or girls or anything during that time. Yeah. Do you think that uh, this trend is going to continue? Do you think this maybe is a, we're, we're sort of coming back up on the 20s the 2020s, the 2020s, so to speak. So do you think this is something that we're going to keep embracing and, and looking more into, especially because this is your specialty? You must be thrilled. I, I, I am. I love So for me, I think so. I think especially for Ogden. Um, the fact that Ogden went through and tried to f- come up with a new tagline for the city, mm-hmm. and their tagline is still untamed. You know, it's we are untamed Ogden. And so they really, it really embraces it. And I love that Salt Lake is kind of taking that, you know, bits and pieces as well. That they're, you know, you can go downtown and still see Commercial Street. And there's some placards from um, where brothels used to be Mm -hmm. and things like that. I don't know that it's as popular here in Salt Lake 
as it is down in Og up in Ogden, though. We just we're really obsessed with it, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm an Ogdenite, so yeah, Ogdenite, <laughs> and I love it. I mean, I I love going and doing tours on you know and pointing out all the brothels and the fact that you can still walk along the back sides of the street and see where the brothels mm -hmm. were. Do you give tours? Oh yeah, I give tours all the time. What? Yeah. How do people get in on that? They just have to contact me <laughs> and say, hey, I want a tour of 25th Street. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, but it's not, you know, the the typical tours of 25th. I said, I, sh I tell you where everything went down. <laughs> Just prostitution, or do you do No, other I things? do prostitution, gambling, prohibition. Um, I have a great story. So there was um, the Healy Hotel, which is right on the corner across from the Union Station. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a gentleman who had a barber shop there. Well, during World War II, it became known with the soldiers that, because um, you weren't allowed to have alcohol on the trains. So they would stop in Ogden for the trains to refuel. So the soldiers would get off, go up 25th Street. They knew where the liquor store was. So they'd buy a bottle of their liquor, go across the street to um, the farm, the grocery store, buy a cantaloupe or a watermelon, then go to this barber shop and pay him 25 cents to use his back room to hollow out their melon to put their bottle of alcohol inside. And then they'd put the lid back on and then they'd walk back on the train. That's genius. Yeah, so he ended up, he, he tells, I talked to his grandson and he said, you know, grandma used to have to reinforce his pockets because he would come home with so many quarters every day <laughs> that he would just come home and just throw them in the air for the grandkids to play in. And that he paid cash for his first car based on. And court, he paid quarters, quarters basically for yeah. his first car. First, first car based on selling alcohol, you know, allowing the soldiers to use his back room to, to hide their alcohol. So, so you're the curator for special collections at Weber State. How do you, I mean, most of the time when you think of an academic library, the first thing that comes to mind is not prostitution. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk to me. So what we do is we're do we are um, by the state designated to document the history of Weber and Davis counties. Mm -hmm. So we cover all the history of, of those areas. So I have stuff from, you know, baseball to roller derby to David Eccles mm -hmm. and, you know, the DUP and, and things like that. But then I also have my interests, which, of course, is 25th Street and, and the things that happened uh, down there. And so that's, they, they laugh at me because I have a very large selection of books on prostitution in our special <laughs> collections. And I said, well, it, it's, it's a research tool for me mm -hmm. and things like that. I said, and it, it's something that I think helps set... Weber State apart from other places, you know, that, you know, if you want to research 25th Street and stuff, you don't come to Salt Lake, you don't go, I mean, obviously you go to Weber State to do it. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what you would think of. No, no. And a lot of people, you know, they don't realize until they hear me talk. You know, I did an after hours um, lecture at the Union Station. Mm -hmm. And of course we built, we talked about prostitution and bootlegging and it was amazing i mean there were like 400 people that showed up wow 
And I said, who, so, knew, who so, knew prostitution was such a big time, you know? So drop. it seems like people are interested in it, but are they aware of it? Are you, do, are you, do people seem more familiar with, with this sort of Wild West history in Utah, or are they more surprised when they find out about this stuff? I, I think they're surprised when they first find out, but then as they start to dig into it, they start to realize, oh, hey, okay, that makes sense now. You know, when you walk down 25th Street and you still see the London ice cream parlor mm -hmm. sign, you know. Of course, she had a legitimate business as an ice cream parlor, and then the prostitution happened upstairs. Just a, the ice cream was just a cover for hookers. For, yes. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Did you she have any other? in your sweets. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. That's so excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down yeah, with us today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Salt Lake Speaks, sponsored by Prohibition. Sending you back to the Roaring Twenties, Prohibition has everything you could want from music to handcrafted cocktails and a full menu. Get ready to embrace your inner Gatsby. For more information, visit prohibitionutah.com. And be sure to find this and other episodes of Salt Lake Speaks at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcasts.